0: Welcome to Drift Off, Bedtime Stories to help you unwind, relax, and drift off. Thank you for joining me. I'm your host, Joanne, and it's a pleasure helping you get restful sleep. I understand the importance of quality sleep and its impact on your health and well-being. That's why I'm really excited to share with you a new opportunity to further support the show. As a dedicated creator, I strive to bring you quality content consistently, but the cost, time, and effort with producing a podcast can be significant. I'm committed to keep the podcast ad-free. That's why I've decided to launch a subscription service, giving you the chance to contribute directly towards sustaining and improving the show you love. Not only will you ensure my ability to continue producing sleep-inducing content, but you'll unlock bonus episodes, you'll have early access to upcoming episodes, a monthly guided relaxation, and you'll have ad-free access to my YouTube audiobooks. You can subscribe either on Apple Podcasts by tapping on the offer to subscribe displayed on the Driftoff show page or using the link in the show notes, driftoff.supercast.com. A free way you can support Drift Off is by leaving a five-star rating and review, either on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, or whichever app you choose to listen. Reviews help me rank on that wonderful algorithm, which then helps other sleepy listeners find Drift Off too. My friend, your support allows me to maintain this labor of love so I can continue to help you Drift Off. Tonight I will be reading several chapters from the book, Little House on the Prairie. This story is about a little girl named Laura Ingalls and her family who leave behind their little house in the big woods of Wisconsin, and are now heading to Kansas. The story captures the essence of pioneer life through the eyes of a young Laura. She provides vivid descriptions of the challenges and joys of frontier living with detailed accounts of hunting trips, encounters with Native Americans, and the hardships they face as early settlers. This book has captured the hearts of both young and old, making it a cherished classic. And so as always, my friend, take a nice deep breath, And let it out slowly. Feel all the tension in your body just melt away. You're all cozy and safe in your bed. So it's time to relax and let go now. Start by softening your forehead smoothing out your brow. Relax your eyes and unclench your jaw. Let your whole face be smooth and relaxed. In your shoulders dropping down and easing back, and just let them go, and feel the relaxation and heaviness flow down through your arms, down through your hands, and all the way into your fingers. Let them be loose and limp. Feel your chest and belly become soft. Let your back melt down into your bed and allow that relaxation to flow down into your hips, into your legs, into your feet and all the way down into your toes. Every muscle in your legs feel heavy, loose, and limp. And as our story begins, your body and mind will keep on relaxing Just listen to my words, and allow your imagination to take you away, and everything will begin to slow down. Even your breathing and thoughts will slow down as you listen. It's all preparing you for a peaceful sleep. My friend, there's nothing else you need to do right now, and nowhere else you need to be, so just lay back, relax, and enjoy the story. Chapter 3 Camp on the High Prairie Pa made camp as usual. First he unhitched and unharnessed Pat and Patty, and he put them on their picket lines. Picket lines were long ropes fastened to iron pegs driven into the ground. The pegs were called picket pins. When horses were on picket lines, They could eat all the grass that the long ropes would let them reach but when pet and patty were on them the first thing they did was to lie down and roll back and forth and over they rolled till the feeling of the harness was all gone from their backs while pet and patty were rolling pa pulled all the grass from a large round space of ground There was old, dead grass at the roots of the green grass, and Pa would take no chance of setting the prairie on fire. If fire once started in that dry undergrass, it would sweep the whole country bare and black. Pa said, best to be on the safe side, it saves trouble in the end. When the space was clear of grass, Pa laid a handful of dry grass in its center. From the creek bottoms, he brought an armful of twigs and dead wood. He laid small twigs and larger twigs, and then the wood on the handful of dry grass, and he lighted the grass. The fire crackled merrily inside the ring of bare ground that it couldn't get out of. Then, Pa brought water from the creek, while Mary and Laura helped Ma get supper. Ma measured coffee beans into the coffee mill, and Mary ground them. Laura filled the coffee pot with the water Pa brought, and Ma set the pot in the coals. She set the iron bake oven in the coals too. While it heated, she mixed cornmeal and salt with water, and patted it into little cakes. She greased the bake oven with a pork rind, laid the cornmeal cakes in it, and put on its iron cover. Then Pa raked more coals over the cover, while Ma sliced fat salt pork. She fried the slices in the iron spider. The spider had short legs to stand on the coals, and that was why it was called a spider. If it had no legs... It would have been only a frying pan the coffee boiled the cakes baked the meat fried and they all smelled so good that laura grew hungrier and hungrier pa set the wagon seat near the fire he and ma sat on it mary and laura sat on the wagon tongue each of them had a tin plate and a steel knife And a steel fork with white bone handles. Ma had a tin cup and Pa had a tin cup and baby Carrie had a little one all her own, but Mary and Laura had to share their tin cup. They drank water. They could not drink coffee until they grew up. While they were eating supper, the purple shadows closed around the campfire. The vast prairie was dark and still. Only the wind moved stealthily through the grass, and the large, low stars hung glittering from the great sky. The campfire was cozy in the big, chill darkness. The slices of pork were crisp and fat. The corn cakes were good. In the dark beyond the wagon, Pet and Patty were eating too they bit off bites of grass with sharply crunching sounds. We'll camp here a day or two, said Pa. Maybe we'll stay here. There's good land. Timber in the bottoms. Plenty of game. Everything a man could want. What do you say, Caroline? We might go farther and fare worse, Ma replied. Anyway, I'll look around tomorrow, Pa said. I'll take my gun and get us some good fresh meat. He lighted his pipe with a hot coal and stretched out his legs comfortably. The warm, brown smell of tobacco smoke mixed with the warmth of the fire. Mary yawned and slid off the wagon tongue to sit on the grass. Laura yawned too. Ma quickly washed the tin plates, tin cups, the knives and forks, she washed the bake oven and the spider and rinsed the dishcloth. For an instant, she was still, listening to the long, wailing howl from the dark prairie. They all knew what it was, but that sound always ran cold up Laura's backbone and crinkled over the back of her head. Ma shook the dishcloth, and then she walked into the dark, and spread the cloth on the tall grass to dry when she came back pa said wolves half a mile away i judge well where there's deer there will be wolves i wish he didn't say what he wished but laura knew he wished jack were there when wolves howled in the big woods laura always had known that jack would not let them hurt her A lump swelled hard in her throat, and her nose smarted. She winked fast and did not cry. That wolf, or perhaps another wolf, howled again. Bedtime for little girls, Ma said cheerfully. Mary got up and turned around so that Ma could unbutton her. But Laura jumped up and stood still. She saw something, deep in the dark beyond the firelight. Two green lights were shining near the ground, they were eyes. Cold ran up Laura's backbone, her scalp crinkled, her hair stood up. The green lights moved. One winked out, then the other winked out, then both shone steadily, coming nearer. Very rapidly they were coming nearer. Look, Pa, look, Laura said, a wolf. Pa did not seem to move quickly, but he did. In an instant, he took his gun out of the wagon and was ready to fire at those green eyes. The eyes stopped coming. They were still in the dark, looking at him. It can't be a wolf, unless it's a mad wolf, Pa said. Ma lifted Mary into the wagon. And it's not that, said Pa. Listen to the horses. Pet and Patty were still biting off bits of grass. Pa picked up a stick of wood. He shouted and threw it. The green eyes went close to the ground, as if the animal crouched to spring. Pa held the gun ready. The creature did not move. Don't, Charles, Ma said. But Pa slowly walked toward those eyes. And slowly along the ground, the eyes crawled toward him. Laura could see the animal in the edge of the dark. It was a tawny animal and brindled. Then Pa shouted and Laura screamed. The next thing she knew, she was trying to hug a jumping, panting, wriggling Jack who lapped her face and hands with his warm, wet tongue. She couldn't hold him. He leaped and wriggled from her, to Pa, to Ma, and back to her again. Well, I'm beat, Pa said. So am I, said Ma. But did you have to wake the baby? She rocked Carrie in her arms, hushing her. Jack was perfectly well. But soon, he lay down close to Laura and sighed a long sigh. His eyes were red with tiredness and all the under part of him was caked with mud. Ma gave him a cornmeal cake, and he licked it and wagged politely, but he could not eat. He was too tired. No telling how long he kept swimming, Pa said, nor how far he was carried downstream before he landed. And when at last he reached them, Laura called him a wolf, and Pa threatened to shoot him but Jack knew they didn't mean it. Laura asked him, You knew we didn't mean it, didn't you, Jack? Jack wagged his stump of a tail. He knew. It was past bedtime. Pa chained Pet and Patty to the feed box at the back of the wagon and fed them their corn. Carrie slept again, and Ma helped Mary and Laura undress. She put their long nightgowns over their heads while they stuck their arms into the sleeves. They buttoned the neckbands themselves and tied the strings of their nightcaps beneath their chins. Under the wagon, Jack wearily turned around three times and lay down to sleep. In the wagon, Laura and Mary said their prayers and crawled into their little bed. Ma kissed them goodnight. On the other side of the canvas, Pat and Patty were eating their corn. When Patty whooshed into the feed box, the whoosh was right at Laura's ear. There were little scurrying sounds in the grass. In the trees by the creek, an owl called, Hoo-hoo! Farther away, another owl answered, Hoo-hoo! Far away on the prairie, the wolves howled, and under the wagon, Jack growled low in his chest. In the wagon, everything was safe and snug. Thickly in front of the open wagon top hung the large, glittering stars. Pa could reach them, Laura thought. She wished he would pick the largest one from the thread on which it hung from the sky and give it to her. She was wide awake, she was not sleepy at all, but suddenly, she was very much surprised. The large star winked at her. Then she was waking up next morning. Chapter 4 Prairie Day Soft wickerings were close to Laura's ear, and grain rattled into the feed box. Pa was giving Pet and Patty their breakfasts. Back, Pet. Don't be greedy, he said. You know it's Patty's turn. Pet stamped her foot and nickered. Now, Patty, keep your own end of the box, said Pa. This is for Pet. Then a little squeal from Patty. Ha! Got nipped, didn't you, Pa said. And serve you right. I told you to eat your own corn. Mary and Laura looked at each other and laughed. They could smell bacon and coffee and hear pancakes sizzling, and they scrambled out of bed. Mary could dress herself all but the middle button. Laura buttoned that one for her. Then Mary buttoned Laura all the way up the back. They washed their hands and faces in the tin wash basin on the wagon step. Ma combed every snarl out of their hair, while Pa brought fresh water from the creek. Then they sat on the clean grass and ate pancakes and bacon and molasses from the tin plates in their laps. All around them, shadows were moving over the waving grasses while the sun rose. Meadowlarks were springing straight up from the billows of grass into the high, clear sky singing as they went. Small pearly clouds drifted in the immense blueness overhead. In all the weed tops, tiny birds were swinging and singing in tiny voices. Pa said they were dick-sistles. Dicky-dicky, Laura called back to them. Dicky-bird. Eat your breakfast, Laura, Ma said. You must mind your manners even if we are a hundred miles from anywhere. Haas said mildly, It's only forty miles to Independence, Caroline, and no doubt there's a neighbor or so nearer than that. Forty miles then, Ma agreed. But whether or no, it isn't good manners to sing at table, or when you're eating, she added, because there was no table. There was only the enormous, empty prairie, with grasses blowing in waves of light and shadow across it, and the great blue sky above it, and birds flying up from it and singing with joy because the sun was rising. And on the whole enormous prairie, there was no sign that any other human being had ever been there. In all that space of land and sky stood the lonely small covered wagon, and close to it sat Pa and Ma and Laura and Mary and baby Carrie eating their breakfasts. The Mustangs munched their corn, and Jack sat still, trying hard not to beg. Laura was not allowed to feed him while she ate, but she saved bits for him and Ma made a big pancake for him of the last of the batter. Rabbits were everywhere in the grass, and thousands of prairie chickens. But Jack could not hunt his breakfast that day. Pa was going hunting, and Jack must guard the camp. First, Pa put Pet and Patty on their picket lines. Then he took the wooden tub from the side of the wagon and filled it with water from the creek. Ma was going to do the washing. Then Pa stuck his sharp hatchet in his belt. He hung his powder horn beside the hatchet. He put the patch box and the bullet pouch in his pocket, and he took his gun on his arm. He said to Ma, Take your time, Caroline. We won't move the wagon till we want to. We've got all the time there is. He went away. For a little while, they could see the upper part of him above the tall grasses, going away and growing smaller. Then he went out of sight and the prairie was empty. Mary and Laura washed the dishes while Ma made the beds in the wagon. They put the clean dishes neatly in their box. They picked up every scattered twig and put it in the fire. They stacked the wood against a wagon wheel. Then everything about the camp was tidy. Ma brought the wooden pannikin of soft soap from the wagon. She kilted up her skirts and rolled up her sleeves and she knelt by the tub on the grass. She washed sheets and pillowcases and white underthings. She washed dresses and shirts and she rinsed them in clear water and spread them on the clean grass to dry in the sun. Mary and Laura were exploring. They must not go far from the wagon, but it was fun to run through all the tall grass and the sunshine and wind. Huge rabbits bounded away before them. Birds fluttered up and settled again. The tiny dicky birds were everywhere, and their tiny nests were in the tall weeds. And everywhere were little brown-striped gophers. These little creatures looked soft as velvet. They had bright round eyes and crinkling noses and wee paws. They popped out of holes in the ground and stood up to look at Mary and Laura. Their hind legs folded under their haunches, their little paws folded tight to their chests, and they looked exactly like bits of dead wood sticking out of the ground, only their bright eyes glittered. Mary and Laura wanted to catch one to take to Ma. Again and again, they almost had one. The gopher would stand perfectly still until you were sure you had him this time. Then, just as you touched him, he wasn't there. There was only his round hole in the ground. Laura ran and ran and couldn't catch one. Mary sat perfectly still beside a hole waiting for one to come up and just beyond her reach gophers scampered merrily and gophers sat up and looked at her but not one ever came out of that hole once a shadow floated across the grass and every gopher vanished a hawk was sailing overhead it was so close that Laura saw its cruel round eye turn downward to look at her She saw its sharp beak and its savage claws curled ready to pounce. But the hawk saw nothing but Laura and Mary and round empty holes in the ground. It sailed away, looking somewhere else for its dinner. Then all the little gophers came up again. It was nearly noon then. The sun was almost overhead. So Laura and Mary picked flowers from the weeds and they took the flowers to Ma instead of a gopher. Ma was folding the dry clothes. The little panties and petticoats were whiter than snow, warm from the sun and smelling like the grass. Ma laid them in the wagon and took the flowers. She admired equally the flowers that Laura gave her and the flowers that Mary gave her and she put them together in a tin cup full of water. She set them on the wagon step to make the camp pretty. Then she split two cold corn cakes and spread them with molasses. She gave one to Mary and one to Laura. That was their dinner, and it was very good. Where is the papoose, Ma? Laura asked. Don't speak with your mouth full, Laura, said Ma. So Laura chewed and swallowed, and she said, I want to see a papoose. Mercy on us, Ma said. Whatever makes you want to see Indians? We will see enough of them, more than we want to, I wouldn't wonder. They wouldn't hurt us, would they? Mary asked. Mary was always good. She never spoke with her mouth full. No, Ma said. Don't get such an idea into your head. Why don't you like Indians, Ma? Laura asked, and she caught a drip of molasses with her tongue. I just don't like them, and don't lick your fingers, Laura, said Ma. This is Indian country, isn't it? Laura said. What did we come to their country for if we don't like them? Ma said she didn't know whether this was Indian country or not. She didn't know where the Kansas line was. But whether or no... The Indians would not be here long. Pa had a word from a man in Washington that the Indian Territory would be open to settlement soon. It might already be open to settlement. They could not know because Washington was so far away. Then Ma took the iron out of the wagon and heated it by the fire. She sprinkled a dress for Mary and a dress for Laura and a little dress for baby Carrie, and her own sprigged calico. She spread a blanket and a sheet on the wagon seat, and she ironed the dresses. Baby Carrie slept in the wagon. Laura and Mary and Jack lay on the shady grass beside it, because now the sunshine was hot. Jack's mouth was open, and his red tongue hung out. His eyes blinked sleepily. Ma hummed softly to herself, while the iron smoothed all the wrinkles out of the little dresses. All around them, to the very edge of the world, there was nothing but grasses waving in the wind. Far overhead, a white few puffs of cloud sailed in the thin blue air. Laura was very happy. The wind sang a low, rustling song in the grass. Grasshoppers rasping quivered up from all the immense prairie. A buzzing came faintly from all the trees in the creek bottoms. But all these sounds made a great, warm, happy silence. Laura had never seen a place she liked so much as this place. She didn't know she had gone to sleep until she woke up. Jack was on his feet, wagging his stump tail. The sun was low and Pa was coming across the prairie. Laura jumped up and ran, and his long shadow stretched to meet her in the waving grasses. He held up the game in his hand for her to see. He had a rabbit, the largest rabbit she'd ever seen, and two plump prairie hens. Laura jumped up and down and clapped her hands and squealed. Then she caught hold of his other sleeve and hippity hopped through all the tall grasses beside him. This country's cram jammed with game, he told her. I saw fifty deer if I saw one. An antelope, squirrels, rabbits, birds of all kinds. The creek's full of fish. He said to Ma, I tell you, Caroline, there's everything we want here. We can live like kings. That was a wonderful supper. They sat by the campfire and ate the tender, savoury, flavory meat till they could eat no more. When at last Laura set down her plate, she sighed with contentment. She didn't want anything more in the world. The last colour was fading from the enormous sky, and all the level land was shadowy. The warmth of the fire was pleasant because the night wind was cool. Phoebe birds called sadly from the woods down by the creek. For a little while, a mockingbird sang. Then the stars came out and the birds were still. Softly, Pa's fiddle sang in the starlight. Sometimes he sang a little, and sometimes the fiddle sang alone. Sweet and thin and far away, the fiddle went on singing. The large, bright stars hung down from the sky. Lower and lower they came, quivering with music. Laura gasped, and Ma came quickly. What is it, Laura? she asked, and Laura whispered. The stars were singing. You've been asleep, Ma said. It is only the fiddle, and it's time little girls were in bed. She undressed Laura in the firelight and put her nightgown on and tied her nightcap and tucked her into bed, but the fiddle was still singing in the starlight. The night was full of music, and Laura was sure that part of it came from the great bright stars swinging so low above the prairie. Sweet dreams, my friend. Sleep well.